Magic and Modernism, Part 1. All right, I'm Jack Donovan, and this is Pater, PH2T3R, the Journal of Solar Culture. And I'm here again with uh, C.B. Robertson. And we have a lot of conversations over DMs and so forth. I mean, I've known uh, Christopher for a long time. And we have a lot of conversations that uh, I'm like, this is a podcast. This is, in a, this is, <laughs> this is a deep conversation because uh, he's a deep thinker. and We bounce ideas, ideas off each other all the time. And we know what each other are talking about vaguely. So, um, so, so we're going to start off with something he's, he's been toying around uh, with the concept of sorcery. But to get to sorcery, we need to talk about uh, the myth of modernism. Well, yeah, it's a bit of a chicken and egg as far as which one introduces the other. Because um, I had been, I had been toying with this idea of modernism, and and modernism, as as you've pointed out, and as as many people intuitively go to usually when people talk about it it refers to an artistic movement or an architectural movement that's of course not what we're talking about here in relation to sorcery or or magic or or the lack thereof you know uh depending on if you're in the modernist uh mindset or not but i was sort of re-inspired to go back into it more recently after sort of putting the idea on hold for a year or so because um, a, a certain James Lindsay has been going deep into um, alchemy, which is a, a form of sorcery, we might say. And for someone who lives in the sort of naturalistic, materialist frame, they'll say, well, that's just pseudoscience. That's, that's like not a real thing. Um, but the people who sort of created the worldview that we live in certainly did believe it was a real thing. So it, it takes, and, and for, for James Lindsay, um, that's really the, the, the alchemist that unlocks our current frame is Georg Hegel, the famous German philosopher um, who created the, the idea of, um, of a trajectory of history, of, of history as a kind of God, really. And so whenever you hear someone say, uh, make an appeal to being on the right side of history, whether they know it or not, they're making a Hegelian argument. And so, um, you know, th this opens up a whole lot of questions about like, well, what even is magic or sorcery? And uh, what does it look like if someone like he Hegel is doing it? And what on earth is James Lindsay talking about? But the, um, you know, cracking the myth of modernism assuming modernism is even the correct term. I just haven't thought of a better term because um, it seems to be what all the postmodernists are post. It's what they're, what right. they've moved on from. So I'm, I'm happy to accept the term until something better comes along. But um, it, it seems like once you crack that and you understand um, what that, that worldview is built on it, uh, you find that it's built on magic and even the rejection of magic is built on magic. And, um, and it, it makes the world a lot uh, stranger and more interesting. Um, and it changes your perspective on, on certain things that go on in our day-to-day -day civic life. Well, like the, as you said, you know, most people, when they think of modernism, they think of an you know, artistic movement. And obviously we're not talking about that 
And you know, the the nit I would pick with this is like it almost seems like a slippery slope argument. Like if they if they do they make this change in history, then we end up here. You know, like in that sense, like that, like you know, these things are not necessarily. Yes, they follow a train of idea. Like philosophy follows a train of ideas in certain ways. There's a progression of ideas, but doesn't mean that necessarily this had to end up here. No, and, you know, and that that's kind of the you know the no. way it looks sometimes when we talk about this. Like if yeah. well, you know, Socrates said this, therefore. Marxism. <laughs> it had to. Yeah, it ends up being yeah. like a little bit too, like yeah. For like, sure, and, yeah. and and a lot of it is, and this is the point that James Lindsay keeps reiterating over and over again, is that the the he talks about them in terms of Gnostic parasites. Right. Um, they will always try to to um, you know, hop a ride on whatever ideology is dominant and and make a version of it. And in fact, he- Hegel did this himself. Hegel, if you read the Wikipedia page on Hegel it will say he was a Christian theologian. He was absolutely not a Christian theologian. <laughs> he was he was a pagan who was opposing Christianity, but he was in fact taking Christian language and Christian concepts like the Trinity and reworking it into something completely different. But a lay Christian who's just going by the language wouldn't notice the difference. And so... And you would um, have to do that in that era. Uh, it would yeah. be more socially acceptable... Uh, to do that at that time period than it would be necessarily now. Yes, perhaps. Although the that that language swap mm-hmm. also happens now. It just has a different baseline. Um, right. And I mean, it would be unfair to say you know Christianity necessarily leads to Hegelianism. Now, I have made the argument <laughs> elsewhere that um, both Christianity and Hegelianism uh, do naturally follow from. Uh, a very precise notion of uh, heroic idealism, which is kind of a, a different conversation. So there is some relation there, but insofar as there is a, a Hegel, you could say Hegel wasn't a Gnostic and that he didn't think we were, you know, trapped in this evil prison of a world. Again, people who want to check out the Gnosticism thing, James Lindsay goes very, very deep in very many videos about that. But um yeah. And, and I pushed back on that when you first introduced me to it because I was like, my understanding of Gnosticism is like Sophia, and that there's all these like you know it's yeah. a kind of whole kind of subset of Christianity that, that that's never appealed to me just aesthetically for that reason. But like I was aware of all these other things having to do with that, so I was like, what is oh, this? Yeah. What do these two things have to do with it? But what? the way he explains it, it really. Um, the idea, you know, to encapsulate for people who haven't watched the like three hour video, uh, it, the way that he explains it is basically, you know, they through what they're doing, they believe that they're going to unleash like some kind of magical change in history if they mm. just break everything apart. They're going to cause the change. Yeah. And and Hegel wasn't a break everything apart guy. That was the critical theorists who who picked up his dialectic and took it, namely Marx, the, the young Hegelians. As they mm-hmm. call themselves, there's an old or the old Hegelians, the right wing Hegelians, and I I believe that they might have influenced the the Manifest Destiny movement in the United States, which took uh, place about the same time. Um, very Hegelian notion, but not in the left wing, uh, criticize ruthlessly criticize everything existing uh, mode of thought. There, um, Manifest Destiny is a very Hegelian appeal to the unfolding of the inevitable trajectory of history. And 
if if there was one way to summarize the magic of Hegel, the sorcery of Hegel, if we want to say, it's to depict a desired trajectory as if it was inevitable. And by depicting it as inevitable, um, you can actually cause it to happen or perhaps cause the opposite thing that you want to happen. Um, another noted alchemist that people might recognize the name of uh, is George Soros. George Soros wrote a book, which I read actually a couple weeks ago, called The Alchemy of Finance. And the the core of his book is he, he's he's an interesting guy because he's one of the most wealthy, powerful men in the world. But he doesn't think of himself primarily as a financier. He thinks of himself primarily as a philosopher. And his 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 big goal in life appears to be to advance this idea of reflexivity, that I can I can cause things to happen by pushing one way and then it will swing back the other way. Um, very dialectical, very like like straight out of of Hegel um, or Marx. You know, <laughs> take your pick, or Rousseau or Kant for that matter. Um, but the the dialectic is a way of framing like the way a psychologist or a psychiatrist might, might provide a reframe for a client. They're providing reframes for the world in order to try to cause things to happen using language. Well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much every religion and all philosophy is frame framing, right? I mean, that's right. you know, like, if you, if you put it, I mean, and that they're doing their own thing, you know, but uh, you know, it's, I mean, solar idealism is a frame. You know, yeah. like, here's a way to see the world. And it's it's all the thing about frame, and this is where the magic comes in that you're talking about is the thing about frames is that they're never all exactly right. You yeah. know, like they're never they're like, here's the way we've chosen to look at the world that we like the best mm -hmm. is basically what it is. I mean, that's the way Christians would do it. That's the way everybody else does it. Like, this is the way we've chosen to look at the world that we like the best. And we're going to make that true. Yeah. And and then for simple people, they don't see the contradictions. They don't see like whatever. They're just like, well, that's true because my daddy told me it's true. But like, you know, like for uh, more advanced people, they see that there are contradictions there. But like, you know, do you want to buck that system? Do you want to like, you know, you just go with the flow. I mean, if if uh, the king of England, I mean, in, a, in an alternate England where they're not gay, um, but in the, the king of England, if it's if the king of England is put there by God. And he, and he, which is theoretically what you know, that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Um, and you know, if he was put there by God to rule, that's where his authority comes from, which is magic. You know, like that's we've agreed, we've agreed that that truth that is probably not true is true. Yeah. And therefore, society, all of his rule and all of his power, then comes from that. You know, like yeah. that's that's the uh, that's magic. Every it, it, it's a tricky thing because people who want to use who want to oppose magic in defense of of like objective truth or their worldview or whatever um exactly will run into the contradiction you're 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 talking about and i actually had a conversation with some christians um a few weeks back um because i was delving into like what is the etymology of like magic and sorcerer and stuff and it turns out the the roman word for uh sorcerer is magus plural magi 
Okay. And I was like, wait, yeah. that's that's the three wise men, right? The three magi, yeah. the wise men of the east who come over, and they're very and positive the characters. The occult order calls himself right, and so Grand it's Max. like, <laughs> yeah. right, exactly. And so it's like, oh, well, what, what about that uh, that Deuteronomy or uh, sorry Exodus line prohibiting witchcraft and sorcery? What about oh, thou shalt not suffer the witch to live? And you go into that, and you're like, oh, it's like you're not supposed to do. It. It's like the the word was like pharmacos, so it's like basically don't be a drug dealer <laughs> don't like poison people uh but it has other connotations and basically it's like uh what's prohibited is bad magic like right. good magic is okay but but just don't do bad magic because when you think about it like what a what a spell is it when you're talking about um uh, i i wanted to talk about books that that supposedly counter sorcery and one of them is malleus maleficarum by heinrich kramer the famous hammer of the witches um and what's bad in sorcery is not that you're communicating with spirits but the spirits you're communicating with like if you're communicating with saint michael that's great that's fine um better make sure that is who you think it is and not a demon in disguise or whatever but it's the summoning of the devil that's not good if you're talking to god that's just prayer which is fine um yeah well it's like mexicans (laughs) lighting their candles all those little saint candles because because yeah. you know, when, when you go to you know when you go south of the border then you know Catholicism gets very pagan very quickly and you know like there's they're, they're doing magic you go to these stores and whatever and buy things you know in Southern California and all these stuff you can buy go to all these stores that uh, sell different candles that you can light to fall in love yeah. or like to have different things and that's all magic you Catholic- know but if, as long as they're yeah. saints then you're all right <laughs> you the, the funny thing about Catholicism it's it's actually like idiosyncratically and geographically specifically pagan pretty much everywhere you find it like there are there are catholic um you know uh temples uh churches in india where only brahmas and kshatriyas are allowed to perform certain rituals in the catholic in the catholic church yeah um it's just kind of funny but um but anyways the 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 magic we're concerned about here because we're not talking about like magic to make your plants grow fast or whatever Right. It, it, like, I, I think the best, like, suppose you're a normal person and you're like, I'm still not on board with all this magic stuff. Like, get, get, sell me on it. There's a book by an English philosopher named J.L. Austin called How to Do Things with Words. Very innocuous sounding title. Um, and the book basically is in a very English fashion, tries to break everything down into categories. There's descriptive sentences like this drink is green. Um, but there are, and there are like nonsensical actions and there's a few that he doesn't mention, but among the categories of sentences one can utter are um, word acts. So uh, I christen this ship, the SS Anne Marie or uh, another example he gives is I'll you bet you Anne Murray out of your ass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Hey, what would an Englishman in the 1950s say? Um, uh, or uh, he, I was going to say, I'll bet 10 bucks, but he said bet six pence. Um, yeah. I'll bet some amount of money in whatever denomination is, is, uh, you, you know, useful to you that it will rain tomorrow. I mean, assuming you're serious, that's a word act. You are you are creating something, not not indirectly, like I'm influencing someone else who may be inspired or whatever. But my words, in effect, are an action. Or 
you know, I bequeath my library to my oldest son in a will. That is a word act. Um, the, the classical example from his book is I now pronounce you man and wife um, in the context or the, the bride or the groom saying I do. I would add to pertinent to the discussion of modernism, uh, a judge banging the gavel and saying guilty or not guilty is a word act. And what all of these things have to do, and I don't think jail Austin says this, but this is sort of my own thought is that they have to do with legitimacy, which sort of goes back to the divine right of Kings idea or, or the vote, you know, we could consider a democratic vote to be a giant collective word act of a kind. Why does everyone writing these things? (laughs) (laughs) Another rabbit hole, but yes. Um, and, uh, you know, understanding these word acts and how they work, um, because it's not it's not obvious in a, in a mechanistic sense why a word act should be taken seriously by anybody, you know. And well, once I you- mean, one of them, the most popular one right now, the, the, the one that is making everyone's head blow up is like women have penises. Oh, yes. Some women have penises. And and yeah. by saying that, the magic even word over and over again, that's yeah. making it true. And 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 you've said it enough times that now it's like, uh, you know, people will accept that as absolute truth because you've said those magic words, and therefore, you know, she says she's a woman. Therefore, she's actually transformed herself in like a transubstantiation kind of fucking way. That yeah. like now she's a woman. Yeah, you know, like now this dude is a, is is a chick, and he's not in the women's dressing room for other reasons. And you know, like yeah, it's. But that's the kind of magic that you're talking about. I think that a lot of people are doing and engaging yeah. it right now. It's like we're going to do this, cast this spell on you, basically by saying this over and over and over and over again and repeat, repeating it, and yeah. therefore you will start to accept that that is that is real. And that's that's going to become a reality. And really, exactly. the divine right of kings and all that does the same thing. It's like. That king, God put that king there. God put that king there. Yes, God put that king there. You know, like get, get everyone to say it, nod the heads, and, and now it's real. You know, exactly. like and as long as no one says that's bullshit, um, then everybody is like, it's true. That is true. Yeah. Now. You know, the, the oldest story: the emperor has no clothes. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, the 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 two uh, uh, sorcerers, we might say, who spun magic clothes from gold. And, and then vanished uh, a model that has been taken up by many these days. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, before some conservative, you know, might jump in and say, well, well, clearly magic is just a, an obfuscation to objective reality. And we should just, you know, do away with that. I mean, there is some truth to the leftist idea that gender roles are somewhat constructed at least as far as how we talk about it now obviously sex is not and they're totally wrong about that but like like the expectations that we have as far as how to optimize our fulfillment of our sex roles um is inherited knowledge that is held up in a social manner and so you know if some portion of that is magic if some of our masculine ideals in myth help us to do that and saying, well, let's just do away with magic and sorcery and then we'll be better off. It's not actually clear that's the case. And a a one that would maybe be more immediately and intuitively appealing to conservatives, for example, uh, is the existence of borders 
libertarians are, are often very fond of saying, oh, it's just magic lines in the ground. What do those mean? They are magic lines in the ground. Guess what? There are guns that enforce those magic lines. Right. Um, and the fact well, sadly, that they, they are, <laughs> or, or there aren't, as, as the case may be, depending on yeah, whose yeah. magic is stronger in the, the given time, I suppose. Right. Some countries have stronger magic in that realm. But uh, whether you want to say the magic is real or not, um, it like the magic guides where the guns are pointed and how many of them are. And uh, like, so the rejection of magic, and this is where the subject of magic goes back to modernism. um, The, the rejection of magic is itself a component of modernism and, and a faith in human reason. Let's put our different religions, our different magics uh, aside and then we can resolve our conflicts um, amicably. Um, and and most people, when we talk about what we're describing as modernism, trace it back to the Enlightenment, namely to Rene Descartes and his beginning of like philosophically exploring things from the bedrock up. We're not going to begin with any first principles at all, uh, other than uh, not even my own existence, not God although he kind of weasels that in later. Um, not even myself. And um, that's really putting reason at the bedrock. And the Enlightenment didn't actually begin in the 16th, 17th century. Um, it sort of took off from there because that was about the time that a bunch of ancient Greek and Roman texts were rediscovered. And what we know as the Enlightenment in many ways can go back to ancient Greece. Um, and my own, my own theory on this is that there was a, a particular drama, a story by a playwright named Aeschylus that transformed justice itself. And the play is a trilogy called the Oresteia, but the, the final act, the final play is called Eumenides, which is Greek for those of good intentions. And the play is about this, just absolutely horrific, brutal blood feud, an intrafamilial blood feud. So it's, it's worse than a normal blood feud. There's like Montagues and Capulets. There's like whatever the American one was with the pig. Um, but there's the McCoy. Yeah. Hatfield, yeah. The Hatfields yeah. and the McCoys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this one, the Oresteia is about uh, Agamemnon sacrificing his own daughter, Iphigenia to, to, get his fleet to sail to Troy to get the right winds to do that. So he's away at Troy for 20 years. When he gets back, his wife has not forgiven him for that. Um, She welcomes him in and then kills him. Um, So there's already one vengeance uh, line there. But then um, Agamemnon's son, Orestes, uh, then kills his his mother, his wife's, uh, his father's wife, Clytemnestra. Um, so, so there's a double bur- and there's there's even more intrafamilial blood before Agamemnon even begins. But um, so Clytemnestra's ghost arises and uh, awakens the Furies, Erinoes. They're the spirits; these old, older than the gods, and extremely powerful too. Spirits of vengeance that will follow people until they are either killed or driven insane. Um, and these are, 
you know, they pursue Orestes and he takes refuge in a temple and Athena intervenes and says, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to stop this cycle of violence, which is exactly what she does at the end of the Odyssey too. She, she stops the cycle of violence right as it's about to start in Ithaca. Um, and, and she holds the first trial in history, 13 jurors herself being the 13th and in the end in a seven to six verdict, they, uh, say, um, Orestes is not guilty of matricide. But in order to persuade the Furies to accept this, and she says, what you're doing is not real justice. This vengeance is not real justice. Um, I can give real justice. And that, that redefinition of justice, at least implied in the text, is sort of the nature of what magic does. And what it is. I, th I think there was a very real case to be made prior to that, that in fact, justice is vengeance. And when you read Nietzsche's Thus Spake Zarathustra and his famous line with the tarantulas, uh, they are equated in that way. Uh, those who speak highly of their justice are in fact pursuing vengeance because that's what justice is, is vengeance. Um, and people in the past seem to, to speak of justice not as some high and noble civic virtue, but as a kind of uh, uh, awful and powerful force to be acknowledged and respected and feared and, and feared. You would sacrifice a lot to ward off the threat of justice, which is sort of what's implied by the first word of the Iliad as well, menace. There's a long um, you know, etymological deep dive to do off that too the the divine indiscriminate sanction for violating the uh divine hierarchy as leonard Molnar said so there there's there's so much packed into these concepts of of justice uh that we take for granted today for but weren't always the case in the past and so anyways to go back i hope i'm not going too fast but um Aeschylus seemed to transform the very idea of justice. And what's funny is he, he never actually defines what it is very clearly. It's left as this kind of vague, high notion. And when, you know, 200 years later, you see, uh, you know, Plato trying to, in his magnum opus, The Republic, The Republic is about one question, what is justice? And it doesn't answer that question. It's, <laughs> you know, they have this, this massive, long, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thick book, you know, yeah, it it's, yeah. um, and, and they have this huge, long dialogue that they construct an entire city in order to get a better idea of what justice would look like. And they have all these arguments is, is justice really what's just in the interest of the stronger as Thrasymachus argues, um, sort of early prelude to, to Nietzsche and um, Ragnar Redbeard, but you know, 2000 years prior. And, um, and that's, that's rejected, but a clear answer isn't given. And, and what happens is the, the reader is left with this like dazzled, vague feeling of the superiority of being the just man and the righteous man, but without really an idea of what that entails other than it's good to pursue that. Um, it is an extraordinary work of sorcery. And I, I would, I would call that good sorcery or good magic, white magic, um, because it has a, a positive effect. The whole purpose of the Republic was Plato was, um, uh, 
had Socrates trying to talk uh, his his brother out of being this very like passionate wannabe politician and say, yeah, maybe it's better to to live the private contemplative life. Um, but uh, you know the 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 idea that we see represented in Aeschylus is we can put aside our desire for vengeance and uh, transform that desire into a different idea. Uh, James Lindsay talks a lot about this German word Aufheben, which means to reject, but also to keep at the same time, to sublimate. And that is exactly what Aeschylus does with the idea of justice. He's sublimated, he's Aufhebend this concept, um, which is why, you know, when we, you know, see a court trial happen and we think, um, you know, well, you know, the, the, the outcome is maybe not satisfying to us in some way. We're like that guy, you know, he diddled the kid. He should be executed. Uh, they only gave him 15 years and then there's like 10 years of probation. We're not really satisfied with that, but like, you know, it, like, there's there's a sense that justice is being kept up somehow. I, I was you used the word that I was actually going to point out when you were talking about it a little bit earlier, um, and it seems satisfaction is a, is a very is a, is a good word for that, and that's what mm. what uh, you know it's like yeah it's like two parties are angry. Are you okay with that? All right, are we good? You know, like, like if you were trying to strap a fight between two guys, you know, like, yeah. like, can we settle this? Are, are you okay? You say you're sorry. You say you're sorry. Are we? Are we good? Yeah. Are we good? Are we satisfied? And that that's kind of what it is. It's it's mediating that satisfaction, and not that that satisfaction is necessarily it's equated with fairness. But I don't know if it's really you know if you can one to one. It's you know? it is it is equated to something that it isn't. And that's the magical act. Yeah. Um, and I think that we should I mean, point out, I think, you know, cause we're talking about magic in, in terms that people don't think of magic. In. Um, because yeah. when we talk about magic, I mean, most people talk about magic, you know, a lot of people who actually believe in magic, uh, like are going to be talking about either contact, being in contact with forces in the universe that can manipulate reality. Yeah. Well, Whereas would, we're, we're talking about words that are manipulating psychology to a certain extent. Whereas like they, they, they're, they're thinking about words that manipulate physical reality. Like, like right. you know, I'm going to send a, a magical dragon to get in your head overnight. You know, like, like, you know, that's what people think of as magic. And that's why they scoff at it because they're like, well, I've never seen as, as many of my friends would say, does your magic stop bullets? You know, like it doesn't really, some of it does actually, but but not, not <laughs> yeah. literally in, in in quite that direct of a sense. But uh, right, right. But yeah. that, I mean, that's what people think of, and that's why when people say magic, you're, it, when you use the word magic, they, people will be like, "Yeah, like what are you talking about?" Well, the, you know, people, those people. It is important to say that those people say, "Well, will your magic stock bullets?" Mm -hmm. Would be if they're in the right minds, terrified not just to pull out their gun, but possibly even to bring their gun where some of these. Um, some of these magicians have been at work. I'm, I'm thinking of specific cities where oh, yeah, Portland. That's why I left. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, like, like, well, because well, when you don't believe that your your right to self defense actually is real, and it, it isn't, 
And it isn't because there's going to be a DA that's going to make you guilty no matter what, even yeah. if you were totally in the right. If someone with Texas would be like, well, obviously he was right. And, and who are those have. DAs? Who are those DAs hired by? Well, or funded sure. by? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the, the alchemist did his magic right. stop bullets. I think it did. Maybe, maybe not yeah. all the bullets, but he might've stopped your bullets. Yeah. yeah. And, not, and obviously, but not directly in the same way that people were thinking about in the yeah. way that Dr. Strange would stop your bullets. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the break with people when they use that word. Yeah. Well, and I think th there's a, there's a fun story I, I love about ninjas um, from Japan where, you know, this, this town is, is being uh, a, a messenger arrives in the town mm -hmm. uh, representing a general with th 5,000 men. And he says, we are going to come and take your town unless you give us half of your rice every year. And the town's like, we will, freaking starve if we do that and so they put it off and they put it off and finally one of the leaders from the town's like well we would just get wiped out by these guys so we need to do something and he, he has heard of a ninja village nearby and so he goes off to consult the ninjas and they make him wait for 10 days and finally they say yes well you'll work with you um we'll uh you know in six months time We'll go and make our move and you'll hear one more message from this general and then he'll not be a problem anymore. And, you know, two years go by and he hasn't heard anything from either one. And then finally, so I don't I don't remember the, the proper punchline of it all, but like it, it turned out the general was a creation of the ninjas in the first place. You know, it's 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 and I get this sense that many of the what you might call Harry Potter depictions of magic mm -hmm. are themselves like you know disguise is almost too strong of an intention word but they they obscure how magic actually works and how it how it um has worked historically and the serious people who actually make things happen in a very big way in the world like george soros like georg hegel um like Harry Potter magic is not what they're talking about. You know, what, what, what big powerful magician sent an actual fireball like it, that, that anyone's ever known. I don't know, but I can, I can point to people who, who I can guarantee are occultists. I don't know this with certainty, but I'm 99% sure that Scott Adams is an occultist and a, a good kind. He's fighting against George Soros and those types he's a he's a cartoonist you know which is a very interesting middle ground in this whole thing um and georg hegel was using ideas and when someone like scott adams says that uh you know we need to you know decouple from china economically and then two years later that's happening if that's not magic because he said it and because of how he said it and what he built up to make that happen. Or if he says, you know, in 2019, we should go to war with the Mexican drug cartels. And then a couple years later, you know, I, I think was it RFK it was, or DeSantis, like we have presidential candidates now talking about going to war with the cartels because of something a sorcerer said two years ago. You know, uh, like that is that is like to me, that's real magic. Um, 
and the like the the the, the physical magic of fireballs and and you know world of warcraft magic or harry potter magic is like a it's like an escapism that 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 is to real magic what like i, I don't know like video games are to uh to real war fighting <laughs> you know which would be interesting i mean i think that <laughs> we're gonna get in trouble uh but <laughs> we're, we're... We're in I, trouble here already, but I'm uh, always, go, always going off. I've been in trouble for fucking yeah. 15 years. Uh, but uh, uh, no, I mean, like uh, that, that, that would probably equate closer to, I would say, Anton LaVey's later uh, sense of what magic is. Not as probably earlier sense of magic, what magic was when he was a little, when he was a little kookier in the, in the 60s. But uh, his later kind of right wing kind of version of what magic was. Uh, later in his thing, when he was into my, well, he was always into mitre, right? Because he plagiarized it. But uh, it, it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, that was kind of, and that was what attracted me to that originally when I was younger, much younger. It's a long time ago. Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh, it's edgy, uh, edgy but, and it's it's attractive because it's legitimacy defying, which is kind of fun. It kind of yeah. Fun. Well, I mean, it, well, and what it, what it, what they were saying a lot of times. What one of the things that I thought was really uh, well based in it which and it's still not wrong is you know like uh, you know if you were really good at magic you'd be really successful <laughs> you yeah. know if you really i mean they said that kind of stuff all the time if you really good at magic, most of those guys aren't but like if you're really good at magic you, you'd be really good at successful and yeah. uh you know like because that's what Av- I mean, average so stellamite george soros yeah <laughs> right right uh andrew tate yeah i doesn't, mean uh, doesn't he have an official wizard in his little inner circle crew it's like him, his brother, and they have some. I'm, I'm pretty sure he has a wizard in his like inner core who's like his number three or something. I'd have to verify that. But. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, what and what you're getting back to really, and and what he's he's good at, what a lot of people, what a lot of people are good at, um, what Hitler was good at, uh, was really are really is probably another esotericist. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he 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 him. But I mean, you know, we know Himmler was, but uh, and then the. Uh, but his other, the other guy, the really weird looking one, uh, who did all his propaganda, I forget what his name was, but uh, hmm. is super ugly, uh, like, <laughs> like next level ugly. Uh, but he, he was, he was a propaganda guy, and and what a lot of people don't know, um, I think, because they haven't read it, they just hear that it's bad. And I, I, I when I, I have to say, because you know, I went into Barnes and Noble when you bought, still bought books in the store. And, you know, I bought the Satanic Bible. Oh, I'm being bad, you know, whatever. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, when I really felt bad was when I picked up Mein Kampf. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm being bad. <laughs> you know, but then, um, and but if you read it, actually, like, uh, aside from it being, you know, what it is and t- very tiresomely about the Jews, uh, there is a, there's whole chapters of fucking propaganda that bas- of like how to do propaganda. Uh, which is, it, it, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that that's a lot of what he was interested in. And propaganda is what we're talking like. How well, he was he, obsessed he with determination of people to do that, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, like to become this thing. I mean, that was a lot of magic that was happening there, you know. Oh yeah, uh, sort of related, but a side question. Um, if we assume that um, all like frameworks of legitimacy are founded in magic and therefore some the work of some sorcerer the the question then is like well who was the sorcerer with 
with the United States. Who is who is our founding sorcerer? It wasn't Washington. He was more of a like a just a general and a like a, a patriot landowner, part-time inventor and stuff. The uh Scott Adams argues it was Ben Franklin. That's what I would have guessed. Ben Franklin. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the older man, not super attractive, but somehow yeah. strangely still popular with ladies much younger than himself. Yeah. Did some weird stuff, sunbathing naked, involved in some very edgy, dark, you know, the Hellfire Club and so forth. Oh, yeah. Very, very yeah. popular, um, skillful, extremely skillful writer and pamphleteer. Mm -hmm. And uh, could turn a phrase better than just about anybody. Yeah. Um, he was the arguably the sorcerer that made America um, work. Not the only person, obviously. You had, you know, John Adams, yeah. severely underrated guy, Hamilton, Jefferson, the rest. But, yeah. um, you know, you, there, there does seem to be a sorcerer at work in a lot of these places. I think places. they were all kind of, they, I mean, in their way, I mean, they were Masons, you know, right? Uh, but <laughs> that's, uh, true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. you know, they were kind of into ritual magic, you know, like they did, they did a little bit of that. Uh, I mean, what, well, you know, just reading Washington's biography and stuff, I mean, like, you know, Dude knew, knew the power of riding into in a town on a horse and what what his outfit needed to look like and what he needed to like project out of himself so that he could be the thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the kind of stuff that always interests me that I think a lot yeah. of people poo-poo poo or whatever, like, you know, like, uh, and it, but why I've always been friends with Tanner Guzzi and we always, uh, have always gotten along really well is because we understand that clothing is magic. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like, and I want to be, I want to be careful not to offend by calling people sorcerers who a are not and b would would hate being thought of in that way right. um because if you exist within a hierarchy within a society mm -hmm. and you take up those values and you embody them really well like you know you you wear your uniform exactly right you know how to say according to what's expected you're you're pericles giving the funeral oration or i'm sorry that's not pericles the the funeral oration of paradigm like you hit the notes just right and do all that you're you're living within the frame you're not creating the frame right which is like a, a crucial difference and uh if you're living within that frame and you're embodying all those values um you know excellently you're not a sorcerer you're just a really awesome person you know um but the the sorcerer is the one who either is creating the frame is creating the value or or who is trying to break the system so that they can then create their own well that's that's where it gets into white magic and black magic and i think that that's why mm -hmm. I, I i push back a little bit on the word sorcerer uh because in mythologically speaking whenever we see sorcerers it's I always evil they're always evil the sorcerers yeah. are the outsiders i mean i was literally uh my project for this mm -hmm. week has been to read uh, all the agni verses in uh rig veda uh, all the Agni hymns. And uh, yeah, I mean, whenever they talk, uh, whatever the word, and it's a translation, granted, but whatever the word sorcerer is used, it's the people that have done the dirty, guileful, sleazy thing that we don't like. Right. And, and that's and that's the impure people who are a different religion, uh, you know, and believe different things. And, and are and, trying and to make so, their religion into the main religion. Yeah, exactly. And, and, mm -hmm. and those are the bad guys. And so we don't want that. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, because 
if you're in an ordered frame, because we're, you know, we're kind of relating this back to solar idealism and, and you know, the idea of, of words creating order. I mean, because mm. men, men want to live in an ordered world. You know, we, right. want, we want to live in an ordered world that, I mean, yes, and that's where it gets into, you know, king, magician, Mitravaruna kind of category is yeah. that, you know, kings draw lines and they, they make the rules and, and you know, with give names. advisors and whatever. And so that's how they create the world is they make those, they draw those magical boundaries and magical lines and all that kind of stuff. And that's, most men want to live in a world where those lines exist. Uh, because yeah. otherwise it's chaotic, chaotic and disordered. So it's it, sure. it can't be a bad thing. You know, it, it can't be a bad thing. It just depends which which side of society you want to live in and which team you're on. You know, and and you know, like the yeah. idea of what, what we're seeing right now is a breaking apart of order that I think is um, almost universally understood. You know, that we're when we you know get into things of like, you know. Beauty is science. Ugly. Beauty is ugliness. Is weakness is strength. And and men and women are yeah. the same. Things that have always been true in every society. You know, like that. You know, breaking like kind of eternal truths. Um, it, which is obviously you know this game that you're talking about that the you know Marxists and neo communists or whatever are playing. Um, but uh, you know we want to have those. You know, like we want to have those magical things, like. What is beauty? Because that's that's the thing is that they're doing, and this is what a lot of the art world did, and so forth. Um, not so oh, much totally. in modernism, but definitely in postmodernism. What we and the art that everybody hates now is like you like like what is beauty really? And what is da, 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 da. I mean, that's where you go to art school. You're like you're like like I, I'm challenging myself to think blank of sheet of paper. Else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, like that's Malevich, I think, off the top of my head. Like uh, the, the famous like square. Uh, yeah, I forgot uh, that's actually a real thing. I was just <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's I think it's it's Russian. Uh, yeah. Like <laughs> like the early like Russian constructivists. I think uh, there's all kinds of art things that people did. Be, I think with the advent, without getting too nerdy about it, that with the uh, advent of photography, I think a lot of that that changed art a lot and it became a lot about, well, I have to do something aside from take pictures, paint pictures because cameras do that now. Yeah. And so then what does the artist do and what is his function? And that, you know, like to, then it's about ideas. And, and so that's questioning ideas. And sometimes the questions are good and sometimes they're just bullshit, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, like, and it's just the idea of like, let's, I, what I've been joking about with somebody the other day, you know, was just about like uh uh, oh yeah, on Twitter I was talking to actually Ethan. Uh, we were making fun of the, you know the people who, um, you know, do the vulnerability of strength and up is down. And it's all uh, yeah. Bronson was in the conversation too actually about uh, you know uh, contrarian marketing because mm. contrarian statements work. They're great hooks. If you say something that isn't like like. Maybe protein isn't all that. Yeah, like uh, the thing that everybody yeah. acknowledges is good. Say it's not good, and then even if you're actually going to say that it's good at the end, they're going to read your whole email. You know, like they want. What are they saying? You they're know, either, like, they're they either curious that? or they want to hate wash it. One yeah, of yeah. Two. And yeah, if yeah. they, so if they can... watch it all the way around, that they've they've already forgotten their initial hateful response because you've got them hooked anyways. Exactly, exactly, and that's uh, so much yeah. of marketing and and. Uh, we live in a society that's kind of driven by that because you have all these guys and influencers having to do that like 24, they have to keep coming up with new shit to keep people's attention. So it yeah. ends up being nonsense talk. 
like a lot of yeah. like silliness, you know, like, like, and that's the, you know, that's the vulnerability, vulnerability strength thing that's like linguistically just wrong. And I would you say know, that's it, the, that's the value of philosophy as opposed to sorcery is it, it does help you cut through a lot of those games like very yeah. quickly. Um, but the, uh, a couple points, one of the things that, that Curtis Yarvin has pointed out is that, mm-hmm. um, you know, as black pilled as people can be about propaganda and stuff, he says, when you go back and look at the propaganda from world war two, you're like, this is really childish. This is like, this is like, you know, th- this would not convince an eighth grader today. We're, we, as a population, we've gotten a lot better at seeing through a lot of the propaganda. Now the propaganda has gotten a lot more sophisticated to, to sort of in tandem with our own sophistication. But then he says, and then if you go back to world war one, it's like, it's just grotesque cartoons. It's like them bad us good. It's like, this would not even persuade a like, you know, seven year old, <laughs> you know, today. So, Although, you know, you can go on Twitter or whatever, like, you know, like I, I'm always amazed at like what their caricatures of like, you know, like Republicans or like or or, or vice versa, to be fair. Uh, true, but, I, I mean, suppose. they're very cartoonish, yeah. like deep, like, yeah. like, like they're all in the South and they hate everybody. And they, 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 like, it's it's very silly. I mean, they could draw a cartoon of that person. And, and it, that's it, true. Well, well, isn't that what memes are? Yeah, very Mar- much. Meme, memes are cartoon yeah. propaganda, really. Like, it, who's who, the crying guy? And there, there's the whining crying guy, and then you know, like the the Chad dude with. The I always love the blonde the, beard, the, the Virgin Chad ones, and I, I like the ones that are like the um, the, they start to break the fourth wall. There's like the the Chad Virgin, and then there's the Virgin Chad, and yeah. you, you you actually can't tell which one they're making fun of anymore, and then maybe they're just making fun of the whole meme format, but it's not totally clear. Right. Um, th- those got really fun f- for a little bit, but I still try to avoid those. But I guess to me, that goes back to the sorcery versus magic. One's good, one's bad. Um, because at the end of the day, um, you know, the skill set required to build as a, as an archetypal solar father is a very similar skill set to the one you'd need to break that down and to undermine it. It's very yeah. similar. Just like it takes a thief to know a thief or the, the famous Lieutenant Colonel Grossman, you know, sheep, wolves and sheep dog. The sheep dog is a lot like the wolf and looks a lot like a wolf to the sheep. You know, um, it's it's very, uh, y- you know, to people who are very, very suspicious of sorcery or who don't believe it at all. Uh, it can be very tempting to reject the the skill set entirely rather than to figure that out and say, all right, how do I use this to defend what I think is good and, yeah. and to um, and to and to spot the the attempts to undermine things? Well, it's really about, I think, the difference between, let's say, let's say magic and sorcery, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, is it. Uh, I think that most people, you know, if you were going to be, you, we could be completely arbitrary and beyond good and evil, and you could be nothing's real and whatever, uh, or we can we could go that route, or um, you can look at the intent, mm-hmm. and you know, like what is their intent in using the sorcery? Like, is 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 the intent creating prosperity, and yeah. you know, like prosperity and freedom, or is it not that? <laughs> is, or, is it the opposite of that? You know, like or, uh, it's, yeah. Is, you know, how does this, you know, 
and and all of them will say you have to play you know if you want to make an omelet you have to break a few eggs but like uh yeah that's the reality of it at that game and that's why leadership is a weird thing um but i do think i would like to think that there are people who have a benevolent intent in in using sorcery and uh and that's really what a lot of marvel movies are about a little bit like there's always kind of something like that in in there uh Mm -hmm. but uh you know is a benevolent are you going to use your powers for good like to help people or are you going to use your powers to gain more power right exactly is, you know because that's because yeah. and i think that you know personality wise that we you know i hate this scale more than anything but uh you, i think your gamma sorcery is is the difference yes because that's a lot of times what it is well, and- like there's there's the sneaky guy in the background pulling strings and moving things around to put himself in a position of power that he didn't really earn except by being sneaky and going around corners and like any, he has no good intentions whatsoever except for to like empower himself and make himself important. Well, and if you're, if your sole goal is, you know, building up your own power further, that, 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 that is a symptom of not having a worldview at all. And so it, it is sort of antithetical to building something because if you are building a broader worldview outside yourself, you're you're necessarily expending energy. You're not just accumulating like some dragon, you know. Yeah, and, well, I mean, like even like a some like an exa- Alexander kind of character uh, that yeah, you know, like there's a dream. Yes, you're selling much. people. You're selling people on a dream, and you're creating a world that doesn't exist yet. You're like sending people into battle for a world that doesn't exist yet. Because I'm going to do this thing that's going to be marvelous when we get there. Yeah, you know exactly. And and intent is kind of tricky because you know some of the people I would say are evil in an objective way, like like not not just bad but evil. Mm-hmm. Um, will say and might even believe that they have the best of intentions. Um. There's that famous, I think Daniel Dennett says, you know, if there is anything we learned from the 20th century, it's that, you know, good intentions aren't enough. Contra Ascalus, perhaps. Aumenides is not sufficient. And he says the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, but I think if you, w- with Nietzsche still on our tongues, um, you know, his his thing was not intentions, but uh, what's, what's the kind of person here? Because if you might not be able to read someone's intention um or they might not even be able to read their own intention but there's a a, and maybe mishima was more explicit about this but there are certain kinds of personalities and you can tell like visually um what sort of person often is uh uh, what their intents are whether someone is an alpha uh in the in the vox day sense or if they're a gamma in that hierarchy you can tell gammas visually, you know, there, there's a look <laughs> associated. I wish with I could tell them quicker. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You're right. <laughs> when you go back and look, you're like, it was right there. <laughs> yeah. But sneaky fuckers. Well, which, which is the, which is the, you know, evolutionary theory. Part of it is sneaky fuckers. Uh, you know, like the, the guys who like when the alphas are gone, they fuck your like girlfriend. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, like your monkey or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like a lot of times they do present the signals. But I'm mean, thinking one particular person that we we both know. 
I can think of two people that we both know, but uh, uh, one in particular, like the evidence is he appears to be exactly what he is. And, and, and the magic, the real sorcery is that no one believes it. Like, like once you know, once you've dealt with him, you know, like, and, and yet once he's fucked you over, you know, but, and then you're like this, this literally, it's like an animal that is like, has the markers of a venomous animal. Like you, you can see it, but like the magic is, is this extreme charisma that covers it up, you know? And, and a lot of times that is the case with these kind of characters. Sometimes it's not, sometimes they're just creepy generally, but like have get, get to whisper in the right. What's that? Uh, the one from Lord of the Rings that everybody refers to. Um, oh, uh, 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 Grima Wormtongue. There we go. Yes. 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 I mean, there's that kind of guy, you know, who is, yeah. is you know, again, is visually exactly or, what he looks like. And but. then there's Saruman with the booming voice. Yeah. As well. Um, yeah, there's, is, there's both kinds. Yeah. 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 And that's more of a, like, that's almost more of a direct power, you know, like that's it. Whereas the, the indirect, like whisper in your ear kind of. Uh, power that's a certain kind of guy uh but uh right yeah. exactly it's a and it's a fascinating subject and we, we've mentioned Nietzsche a few times someone asked me on instagram a few days ago like you know you've you've talked about Nietzsche and references sorcery don't you think Nietzsche would be an example of a sorcerer declaring god is dead and all this and i thought that was a very funny question and an interesting one and um i, I think there's a sense in which that might be true because he was trying to bring about, uh, you know, his ideas of of the Ubermensch and his his notion of eternal recurrence has some has some interesting, um, you know, implications in what it counters as well as what it advances and his his own vision. But um, the ballsiness of to write a book in the voice of a prophet, of and, and like, <laughs> yeah, is yeah. my favorite thing about him. Like, like, I, hold my beer. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to write a book in the voice of a prophet yeah. and, and you're going to take it seriously because it's good. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to probably change the world. Uh, and, and did. Yeah. <laughs> pretty substantially. And, you know, not with the God is dead thing, but with all the other stuff, you know, like, yeah, uh, you know, exactly. So, yeah. But anyway, I, I know we have to, we have to wrap up here, so I'm not going to like talk to you because I know you have a hard stop, but uh, um, we will pick this up uh, another day soon. We'll just kind of keep doing this because I think this is a good, this is more than you can talk about in one hour. Oh yeah. Well, and, and all these things have to get like, I don't expect, you know, 80% of the people who hear this podcast as intriguing as it might be to be like, to walk away and be like, all right, sorcery is real. Now, I guess it's time to, to live in that new world. <laughs> it takes some time for these ideas to, to set in um, if they are believed, but um, there's, there is a lot to, to, to unpack here for sure. Um, and again, the, the JL Austin book, how to do things with words and the idea of a word acts of a word act. Um, cause you know, people in libertarian circles are often fond of saying, Oh no, words are never actions and actions are never just words. You sticks and stones may bake my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, if you believe in spells, your opinion might change a little bit. Yeah. Or, or if someone accuses you of rape, like does, does that never hurt you. Yeah. 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 Like, like, yeah, no, it, words definitely hurt. I've, I've gotten red press. I know what that is. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So, so it's great uh, going over this and we will continue it uh, soon. Uh, and everybody watching, uh, you know, watch for the next one. All right. Stay solar.
Pater is the cultural arm of the Order of Fire. For more, visit ph2t3r.com. <laughs>